Hey everyone, welcome to After the Kids Go Down. We're your hosts. I'm Eileen Sonu. And I'm Bona Lou. You think we're going to get canceled? <laughs> <laughs> you think we're going to get canceled after our first episode? <laughs> I'm laughing. This is, that's a very nervous laugh that I just laughed. <laughs> You're not answering. I can't stop laughing because I'm just fucking nervous. (laughs) Let's just expand a little bit more on some of the things that we talked about in episode one that we might, that we have a little bit more to say on. How do we feel about white people? I don't hate white people. (laughs) I mean, we said that at the very end of that first episode. Uh And what I wanted to clarify was I don't hate white people, but I, I do hate the normalization of whiteness. And I don't know what white culture entails. Like, I don't know the boundaries around it. I think it's like, you know, it's just, it's subjective to how like people feel too, you know, like personal experience. What does it mean to you? Because that's really all that matters. Because I don't think we can talk about you disliking the normalization of something, but then say you don't know where it begins and ends. I think you can. It reminds me of that whole, like, I don't, I forget the saying, is it like, you don't know what is, it was like a court case about like, I want to say it was about like pornography. Like you don't, like people don't know, know how to describe what pornography is, but mm-hmm. you know it when you see it. Um, white culture to me, I, I, think it's I more feel like concrete than that. What, like whiteness and white American culture? Yeah. I, I mean, can like you, mainstream white culture? Yeah. Would you be able to set? I mean, like I think certain, certain things, I can certainly come up with like a list of things. Yeah, but that, that list signal thing- like, yeah, that signal mainstream white culture to me. Like, for instance, like um, when I think about American sororities and fraternities. Those are examples of mm-hmm. like white American culture, you know, but I, I feel like um, when you start to list those, when we are able to like come up with a list of things, like mm-hmm. it could be, it could be anything for anybody, you know, so it, it's hard to like set it in, in stone that these are like the, and I know you're asking like to say what I feel like it is, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but even me making my own list, it resembles tokenizing in that sense. It makes it feel little, it makes it feel like smaller than it is. But to me, white American culture, uh-huh. is it's like a monolithic all-consuming kind of thing all-consuming as in it touches so many systems it touches so many different parts of our lives mm-hmm. it touches so many thoughts that we have that it's hard to parse out the reason i'm pushing you to define it and i mm-hmm. want you to define it a little bit more clearly is because i think if we're going to talk about our feelings about whiteness or white people i think if it's not clear if your definition isn't more delineated it might be harder for someone to to understand or somebody to see if they don't if they don't instinctively see what we're what we're feeling or seeing. Okay, you know, there are some things that I feel like I could talk about. Like I think when I think about the normalization of white American culture, mm-hmm. I think of I do think of power and privilege. Mm-hmm. And so then that those are like the big mm-hmm. the ones at the top, mm-hmm. right? So if you go down layers into the specifics, what to you are symbols of white power and white privilege? I mean, what are norms? Norms are just like standards that you have. Like this is like, like this is the way to live. Like these are the normal things that like everybody should adhere to. Like this is the status quo, like what people should live up to. Like when we talk about an episode, the first episode, standards of beauty, how we have our homes, you know, this, the activities that we put our kids into, you know, I understand that these things can happen in any given culture, you know, but in, in the context of me being an part of an immigrant family here in America. Mm -hmm. That is how I saw whiteness, like something to aspire to, aspire to. 
it is a personal experience in that like maybe it's just like th- again like things that like I was insecure about and mm-hmm. then I was like oh you know this is what I should be doing do you feel like you are still trying to figure out like in short do you feel like you're still trying to figure out parse out like the parts of your personality and where they came from your identity and where it comes from and is that why it's kind of like fuzzy where you're like what of this is from that whiteness that I aspired to that I was like groomed to aspire to and what of this is you know from my immigrant upbringing I mean in a sense yes like I am I feel like I I am always trying to parse it out. Like I feel like I am always like considering like the nor- like these norms mm-hmm. that we live under, you know, mm-hmm. because one I feel like all of us should, you know, not because anything is bad, mm-hmm. you know, but because like I think that's important to note. We're not trying to say any parts of us are bad. I think it's important to parse it out. Um not to like nitpick at things, but you know, like I want to know like truly what I, like what my values are, like what mm-hmm. I can stand by, what, mm-hmm. I, what I want my kids to learn mm-hmm. from me and mm-hmm. pa- like what I can pass down. You know what this reminds me of? Like, you know, uh, periodically we would, or people, I think other people do this too. You'd occasionally like comb through your Facebook friends and kind of like um, delete friends that you... I didn't do that. I forgot like where they, where you met them or oh, right, yeah. you're like, I don't like, I ran into this person and met them for the first time in a bar in downtown Athens, like 15 years ago, you mm-hmm. know, and then delete. So it's like, kind of like, do you feel like you're sort of combing through your identity at this stage in life and figuring out, like you were saying, what, what aligns with my values today or what matters to me or what do I value? And then, I do trying to categorize I, that. I am. I I guess I feel so hesitant, like talking about this because again, like there, you know, I I feel like I'm not trying to like nitpick at things. Like I'm not here living my day to day, assessing every single situation. You know, I'm not like yeah, yeah. No, washing I mean, the like, dishes and being like, I mean, where did epi- like, I'm in, in the context of like episode one, like thinking uh-huh. about how white culture has informed yeah our identities. It's just something that like for whatever reason. I feel like I I do I do think about like norms and like status quo a lot, you know, mm-hmm. because I feel mm-hmm. like w- I think that's part of um like if someone is not being introspective mm-hmm. and like really digging into like um how we can grow, mm-hmm. you know, I think we'll just want to stick to norms. The norms, yeah. And status yeah, quo. Yeah, yeah. And not, you know, and and Safe. I, you know, yeah. And and I'm not mm-hmm. about like I'm not about like ruffling feathers for just to like get a kick out of like mm-hmm. you, know, you you guys know me like that is not like who <laughs> yeah. that's not who I am I do think that we can define white American culture in a in a um, experiential way mm-hmm. for each person you're totally right that um, for me too I mean power and privilege I, I immediately associate with whiteness for me, like, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, like, stories and fraternities and, and um, like, spectator sports, mm. American spectator sports. That, to me, is all from white culture. Again, like, as I point out these things, I'm not self-hating. Like, a lot of these things I either love or aspired to mm. um, in the past. Like, I always wanted to be a part of this, of, like, one of those, like, super established um rooted really deep like old sororities mm. you hmm. know really i mean because 
that was that was something that everybody that I grew up with kind of aspired to. So I were naturally you, aspired to it too. I wasn't in one in college. I couldn't have afforded it. Oh, if my parents could afford it and they had been supportive of that and like been, um, if they'd known about that kind of culture, like I hands down would have wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. I would have wanted to do rush, like all the little white dresses and like all the bidding and all of that. Like I would have loved it. So yeah, I don't mention these things out of like hatred or judgment. Like there are parts of it. I, I are very endearing to me. And I, I love and are a part of me and my family. Mm -hmm. um, but other things too, like generational wealth. Uh -huh. When I think about generational wealth or trust funds mm -hmm. or being able to help your kids with the down payment on their home, stuff like this. I know there are Asian parents out there, Asian immigrant parents who have worked their tails off, who have been able to do that for their kids. So, I mean, clearly like there are other races who can do that for, if, for mm -hmm. their families. But like in America... With my experience, right, right, I define right. it with white culture. Right. Yeah. It, not yeah. all white people, again, right? Like when we talk about these things, like I don't want any I don't want anybody to just think we're generalizing and just black and white thinking that's we think like every white person's like that. Like we do not think that. Yeah. We're just talking about like our experience mm -hmm. of whiteness and white culture. Mm -hmm. When I think about Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, mm -hmm. I think about that white culture for sure. I'm having a hard time naming those. I can rattle off a bunch of those, you mm -hmm. know, but that's not what, again, it's not what I hate about the normalization of white culture, you know, because I don't hate Girl yeah. Scouts. I love a freaking Girl Scout cookie. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. But I think it, it is like, I think we have to talk about these things like step by step because I think I, I realized after recording episode one with you and in kind of like, not just feedback, I realized there are gaps where I assume that people define uh, white culture as the same things as me oh, or yeah. that they, they name norms the same way as me or that they think about systemic racism the same way as me or that they even de define racism the same way as me. I realized mm. it was different even having this conversation with my husband. So I want to flesh out, like I want to expand more, like go into the details of what to me means white culture markers mm -hmm. and what normalization of any culture kind of like looks like or why that might feel oppressive or. Okay. I think I have a thought that I'm like barely scraping together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. The bottom of the barrel. Um, I was saying this to a friend that I have never, I have never known not living under whiteness. Even you having come from Korea, like at age four, but your formative years were in America, right? No, no. I spent four oh, years oh, oh, of right, my adolescence right. in Korea. So right. I have experienced with that. But tell me about your experience instead of we, because I do think that you and I are oh, kind of uncovering right, right, right. That, yeah. that our experiences are, yeah. are different. Yeah. Yeah. My experience, I feel like I have never not known how did I say it? You, you, you've never known life not under whiteness. Yeah. Not, not, not like, not, um, yeah, not under, you didn't say under, you said life without whiteness. Is that what you said? Something like that. But I yeah. mean, if I said under, I feel like I kind of mean under though too, you know, <laughs> like we came, like when we, when our parents came here, like us being born here and being so. Were you uh, born here? I was born here. Like yeah. in Northside? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. In Georgia. Um. 
like we are so closely tied to the immigrant experience still like our like our parents were the ones that moved here you know like Mm -hmm. it's not like there was like generations i think people in the west coast like there's a lot more uh deeper of a generation Mm -hmm. you know that has been like in america but it's still so fresh right like we're still so freaking fresh off the boat yeah i was just gonna say that what you mean by fresh (laughs) i mean i think you mean fresh off the boat (laughs) we're still so fob that FOB is an acronym for fresh off the boat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For friends who don't know that. I actually have had a lot of friends who don't know that. I subsumed white culture. What do you mean by that? We absorbed it. Yeah, we aspired to it. We we loved and hated it. You know, like Mm -hmm. like all that together, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But we we absorbed it. Like that's what we were... Fed. Fed. And, And by, you know, parents like taught to believe that this was a better way to live and in whatever form whatever message whatever medium it was everything it was like school yeah it's um tv right it's advertisements yeah it's the way you're represented in, in, in books in like subtle, literature. right exactly mm-hmm. the lack of representation mm-hmm. like we talked about like how we dressed and um like which tables we sat out you know if anybody invited us to any parties or something like that you know it was just all we absorbed that message mm-hmm. that like we should want to be white. Mm-hmm. Do you have a specific memory that comes to mind that like sticks with you to this day? What about that example of the gift that you brought? Do you the feel plate. like that's relevant? Mm-hmm. The plate. I was actually thinking about that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Can you share that one? Yeah. Um, I was really good friends with a popular white girl at school for all intents and purposes. She mm-hmm. was a popular white girl at school. Mm-hmm. Um, like when we were younger, I don't know, early ele- elementary school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over the course of the years, I think like my, I really believe like my difference just started to stick out, you know? Mm-hmm. And and then her, okay, this is me like retroactively like explaining what I thought happened. What happened was we were friends for a little while and then we became distant and I was invited to a birthday party of hers and backstory, like my mom was, we were never really like allowed to go to a birthday party. So mm-hmm. she was already like pissed that I was like begging her to go to this birthday party. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, like I needed to get a birthday present. Mm-hmm. And so she had to like spend money for this thing mm-hmm. that she didn't want me to go to. So this was we your were, first time going to a birthday party? I don't remember if it was the first time, but it was like one of the first okay. times. Okay. Um, we were at a restaurant supply store because she was getting supplies for like, um, for the restaurant and that your um, family that our family owned, owned and operated and i had said okay well if i like she finally let me go to it so i was like we gotta get her birthday present and she you know and then she was like just like scowling about the whole issue it was like just just give her these plates then and she picked up like a stack of the classic restaurant plates like the white with the blue pattern which by, by the way though now it's like a very popular thing I know, no, that but, kind of stuff. Okay, we have to talk about that on another episode because <laughs> I feel some anger about how like popular and and trendy uh-huh, like these and, like, Asian cutesy, things like, are. Um, the same yeah. things that like we got tormented about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, another episode. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she was like, just give her some of these. Was, yeah, the white with the blue pattern um, flower. And how old plates. are you? It was like middle school. Grade? It was middle school. Seven? She was a middle school friend. Okay. Yeah. So plates for Very, a seventh grader. Right. Okay. Yeah. Just like, were you like 
mom, really? I can't give these to her. Yes, absolutely. But I was also like just so, so afraid that she would take back her decision to let me go, you know? Uh So I didn't, I don't remember saying anything. Honestly, I probably didn't say anything, but I was like just scared out of my mind, like both ways. I was scared to like upset my mom, Uh but I was also like, I cannot give these plates at this party, you know? I took the plates to the party and I don't exactly remember what happened. I feel like I blacked out probably in yeah. embarrassment. I, I do remember thinking that I wanted to become so invisible. Like I wanted to sh- shrink back so much that I would become invisible at the party when she was like opening the gifts and stuff. And she, in her whiteness, mm-hmm. like had the manners at least at that moment because her mom was there too um, to be like, oh, like thank you and in a very awkward way and then you know just like the rest of the party continued mm-hmm. I don't remember what happened you know and we even after that we were like still slowly like losing our friendship a couple years later we were on the bus and I remember I was I was like bullied by a couple kids on the bus and she someone who used to be my friend this white girl I guess in an effort to like she didn't um she didn't like come to my mm-hmm side or anything like that Mm -hmm. you know it was like in an effort for her to like become more popular you know Mm -hmm. like very much like set this dividing line between us and she turned over to the kid who was bullying me and whispered in his ear I heard it all it was just like like a few years ago at my birthday party she gave me plates like isn't that fucking hilarious you know and it just became this like source of like ridicule Mm -hmm. yeah and I like that re-mortification like, just happened all over again, you know, um, of just feeling so ostracized, so otherized. These nuanced things like I don't I, like my parents don't know what etiquette is for like birthday parties. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even allowed to like really allowed to go to this one for mm-hmm. like a variety of like so many reasons, mm-hmm. so many immigrant related reasons, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Um Immigrant related reasons, meaning like with their work, with schedule, them being afraid of white people too. And like, you know, thinking that like white people are like, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like they thought like white people were really too free. Like they'll like like, poison my mind, you know, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. I, you know, me and Sam were talking about this, like just recently too, at the very same time, we were still taught to, to aspire to whiteness, to power and privilege. You know, do you yeah, know what I, mean? I, I know like, what you mean. Like I know what you mean. Stuff. Yeah, but then like they wanted that. So Stan and I were talking about it because we were kind of laughing. Like they, at least in my experience, we were indoctrinated with like thinking that like we came to America, like we need to be white, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like they were like, but don't make any white friends. And then at the same time, they were like, don't make any like black friends. <laughs> and at the same time, they're like, don't make any Asian friends because I don't know. So I was like, yeah, just. <laughs> You can have everything. You just have to be alone. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. I feel like that was like a weird thing too. Like they didn't want us to like hang out with too many Asian people. So this was all because of their idea of protecting you. Right. 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 Yeah. This is all like fear based. Right. Yeah. Right. And I have no ill feelings or like blame or anything like that um, towards my parents. It's just, that's what I mean about the immigrant story. Like that was immigrant, that was the immigrant story that like I was and am still coming to terms with. Mm -hmm. And the immigrant story for me happened here in white America and white American culture is inseparable from the immigrant story to me. You know, what I'm, what I feel like when I am saying like, I 
am always trying to like parse out like mm-hmm. the normalization mm-hmm. of this culture mm-hmm. is because I, ha- I do have such a hard time teasing out like, yeah, I just have a hard time teasing out like what is my story? Like what happened with like yeah. our parents like moving here? Yeah. You know, like why do I feel the way I feel about certain things? You know? I- <laughs> no, no, I, I'm pausing because I feel the weight of how traumatic the immigrant story can be, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, because it's like, it's not only riddled with your own, like your own difficult stories and experiences, but that of your parents and then of us trying to un- like understand them and empathize with them, but at the same time, definitely feeling anger and grief over the ways that they didn't parent us well or weren't available for us perhaps because they weren't emotionally available for themselves you mm-hmm. know and it's just it's it's a big complex mm-hmm. nuanced, and often painful like, thing definitely nuanced with tons of things and, and and i see completely why you're saying um especially for you since you were born and raised here you know the the that's like inextricably linked to whiteness even in that story of the you know giving the plates for the birthday and stuff like that all these feelings are so hard to name and so hard to like peel back and like we've been saying like parse out right Mm -hmm. like i can't i can't name what was white about it i can't name what was like you know oppressive feeling about it i can't name you know um, but i know it's there um but because but because you know, every time, like, I feel like it becomes normalized mm-hmm. and, like, we, like, further can't, like, name these things, you know? All this, like, directed, um, like, all this, these feelings are, like, directed at nothing. It, it just, like, you know, it just, like, kind of goes out into, I keep waving my hands around. It just, like, goes out into the world, you know, like, us, Asian American people mm-hmm. here in America. It just, like, all these, like, big and like ghosts feelings. Like you're yeah, fighting ghosts. Right. Mm-hmm. It goes out into this world, this culture, this society, mm-hmm. and not directly directed at anything where you feel just like weird about it. And angry. And angry. But because it's so hard to name and think through, I feel like then we start to feel like we can't do that. Like we can't aim this all at, out at people because then we're the fucking a- angry Asian person. Mm. And so we, we rein it all in. And then we internalize it Mm -hmm. and then we have so much self-hate. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. And so I don't want to live with Mm self-hate under normalizing white culture. It's a fucking mic drop right there. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why I'm peeling back those fucking layers. (laughs) Like I'm... Because some of yeah. it seems so insignificant. Mm-hmm. It seems so insignificant that I feel silly talking about it. Mm. You know, like the pumpkin patches, the holiday cards, you know, all that stuff. But that's you trying to name it. Yes. That's you trying to materialize these ghosts. This really makes me think that we, yes, like amen to not being self-hating Asians, self-hating people. And the, the, the flip side, like not doing that, like you said, would mean trying to name 
name these things, trying to name these norms that are so oppressive at the running the, at the risk of being called an angry Asian person or mm-hmm, an angry mm-hmm. person. Um, because I've always heard about the stereotype of an angry black person, mm-hmm. but I think you're completely right in that there, there, there is, there are angry Asian people. And mm-hmm. I know that there, there is that anger within me too. Um, Anyone who speaks out against whiteness, I feel like is considered angry. Mm-hmm. That but, ma- but, but maybe, <laughs> maybe like you're saying, it's like in the interim of us trying to name things. It can sound angry. Mm-hmm. And also that is the perfect way to invalidate somebody mm. is, to they, is to say they're just angry mm-hmm. or they're just crazy or she's just PMSing. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like blame it on the emotions. It can't be truth. Yes. But I think we should run that risk because I'm tired. I'm, I, I have been a self-hating person before and that turned out really tragically for me. Mm. And I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm not going to model that to our children. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a risk worth running. And um, I don't think, I also believe in our sensitivity, helping us being able to eventually nail down and name those things. I think we already have named a lot. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me ask you, do you think that there's a little bit of self-hate in all of us. Is there self-hate in a is lot of us? Is it just me? Like, no, <laughs> I guess we can only speculate for ourselves. Yeah. I guess. I, I, at least for me, like I know I have, I have that in me too. For me, it's, it's not, um, no, I guess it is. I, I've named it different things at different times in my life. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's self-loathing. Sometimes it is self-hatred. Um, Sometimes I just feel like guilty and ashamed to be alive. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it runs the gamut of all that, but I, I, I don't know if everybody feels it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think that depending on the severity and how you can make it function for you, Mm -hmm. it can be something helpful, like not as extreme as Mm self-hate, but I think, um, it, it is on the same plane as like a conscience oh, yeah, or, yeah. Um, or a healthy amount of sorrow mm-hmm. for having done something you didn't want to do and that you want to get better at, you know? I think you illustrated really well how for the, for the purposes of our conversation, we're, we're talking about whiteness not as a specific race but as a construct and a perception uh, that that comes from our Asian experience um, one thing that I wanted to talk about was um, when we mentioned the HOA so we have friends and know people on our neighborhood's HOA and like, you know, Andrew brought this up that HOA is there to help us and it is functional and useful for many reasons, like, you know, upkeeping our facilities and shared amenities like the pool and the tennis courts and 
you know, whatever else, like the, the, the fields, I mean, the parking lots, whatever. Also, you know, to keep our homes, you know, presentable looking and tidy and keep the property value up. So all of this is for our benefit. I agree with him in terms of its use. And I don't think that we need to do away with HOAs. I don't think that, I, I, I do see that they serve a function, but I think what I could expand upon and like just explain a little more of, of, my, of what I was thinking is, is this part. Talking about HOA is kind of missing the point, mm. like focusing on that. What I'm really talking about is bringing awareness to how systems work and the kind of people that run the systems Mm -hmm. and what the people who run the systems come with in their own baggage Mm -hmm. and experience and biases. This is the thing, right? Everybody has inherent biases. Every single person on this damn planet has biases. If you think you don't, I think you really need to sit with yourself Mm -hmm. and just quietly think. Try your best to put your insecurities down and and think about it because i i don't believe for a second that no mm-hmm. one has biases and then naturally where wherever you go to work or wherever you you know go to be in any position of power or to create rules mm-hmm. for anything mm-hmm. you bring that with you mm-hmm. and it just so happens that we live in america where Fact is, I mean, yes, like we are part of a generation where I think we are seeing very hopeful changes in in power of seeing more diversity and um, inclusion, um, more of like the gender roles being broken. And it is a very hopeful thing. Um, However, I think it's true and we have to admit that still like status quo wise, statistics wise, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm people in power are still largely white. Mm -hmm. So here is where you get to thinking about systemic racism. So when I talk about um, HOAs Mm -hmm. being a potential vehicle of of systemic racism, Mm -hmm. this is like so corny, but I mean, I just, I always think about it like in Spider-Man when I think his name's Uncle Ben. I don't know. Yeah. When Uncle Ben, whatever his uncle's name is, um, when and his uncle tells Peter Parker, um, with great power comes oh, yeah. great responsibility. Uh-huh. That's the way that I think about white America. Mm-hmm. Like, whether you know it or not, you have sway. You do have power. And, and, and even if it's not like specifically you, mm-hmm. again, like, I, like we said, statistically in America, most of the people who hold power and who create the rules are, are still largely white. It's just this awareness that, that I want the people who run the systems to have. It's the awareness that I want them to have. Like, so if, if we bring this down to HOA, all the people on the HOA, you know, I, it, I wonder if they wonder about what stereotypes or assumptions they bring to the table from their individual experiences Mm -hmm. and how that affects 
the 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 way that they like make the rules or carry out the rules or carry out the norms of a neighborhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's research that it is a racist system. You know, it is based off of redlining black people, barring them from neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. I don't think we talked about this. Tell me about it. Oh, Tell me more about I, it. Well, again, I didn't do like a like a super mm-hmm. deep dive into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I've always heard it too. Like I don't know, maybe it was like. I don't know, my my grad school classes or something. And I think when something has roots like that, Mm -hmm. like when a system has roots like that, Mm -hmm. even when you carry it to the present, you know, like what you were saying too, like if you, you know, largely a lot of these things are still like run by white people, Mm -hmm. but even run by white person or not, like, because if we're in these systems in America, mm-hmm. I feel like we're still operating. This is what I'm saying. Like we can't tease it out. Like it's so hard to tease out because we've been brought up in these systems. Like even as an Asian person, like white culture is embedded in me too. You know, mm-hmm. like that's the power privilege, you know, mm-hmm. those power privilege positions. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it. Mm-hmm. I, I live it, mm-hmm. you know. What do you mean you know it? Like we benefit, we oh, ben- we benefit, yeah, from we it. benefit oh, from oh. it. You mean like, like we, we are privileged? We, we um we perpetuate it. Oh. You know, we perpetuate it. Even even if we want to be well meaning, mm-hmm. even if you are quote unquote woke, mm-hmm. even if you try to give your whole life to service mm-hmm. or being involved in like social justice issues, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if you give your entire life to that, mm-hmm. I still feel like it's hard to untangle yourself from it to to not perpetuate like systems of power and privilege right 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 yeah because that's how we sur- that's how we live yeah that's how we make money and but <laughs> survive. right but, but yeah you know? so but here yeah. in America that power and privilege is is whiteness yeah and so i feel like the the hoa systems they have roots in like being built up from like that. I don't think I knew that. I mean, I mean, it makes sense now that you're talking about, because I've heard of redlining Mm -hmm. and I've heard of how, um, historically, it's so difficult to impossible for black people Mm -hmm. to get, um, to get loans from the bank Mm -hmm. to to buy a home. Um, so I've heard all these things and I've read about it too, but I, I, I I didn't connect it to HOA for some reason, but like all the dots have been there my whole life. Yeah. Right. And then I think even, I don't know how, like what, breakdown it is but like statistically um people who live in hoa neighborhoods are largely white and asian Mm. you know um so it's like oh it's because hoa you pay a big fee right Mm -hmm, like you pay mm -hmm. like a fee so it's like people who can afford the fees yeah yeah um and then you know you can take that all the way back to like jim crow mass incarceration generational wealth like you can take it all the way back You know, however far we've come, power and privilege are sneaky ass bitches. I heard this somewhere too, like maybe it was you that said it. The status quo will defend itself to remain the status quo. I don't think I said that, but can I say that I said that? That's tight. (laughs) You said it. You said it. Okay. (laughs) So good. Quote. Oh, no. Um, and that that that's sneaky. That's real sneaky. To yeah. Think about. So yeah. so people who are in the status quo will keep defending it. Mm. You know, like you'll keep defending it, and you'll keep wanting to like people will keep wanting to pick apart 
like knit, like like little details to like mm-hmm. unravel, you know, so mm-hmm. that you start to question yourself, like, oh, like maybe I shouldn't be questioning this mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So you will start maintaining the status quo. Mm-hmm. And so for something like the example of the Home- Homeowners Association, you know, whatever it looks like now is just a, a different form of... Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, depending on the... Again, like I do think you need... When you have some kind of like a governing body, like it's meant for the good mm-hmm. of the neighborhood, right? Or, or like the community. So, I mean, the aim is like... I don't think the aim is to get rid of HOA. Just like when we talk about like the conspiracies or the failures of the Catholic church, you know, I love the Catholic Mm. church. Like I grew up there and I, and I do find that my faith has been growing the largest there, but like, yes, those, um, the abuses that happen there and stuff are terrible. And like, just like the other conspiracies, not conspiracies, the, um, what's the word? The, scandals scandals mm-hmm. the scandals that have happened in all kinds of different churches like it's it's not churches it, it can still be a good valuable mm-hmm, place we're not mm-hmm. saying we need to get rid of all churches or all institutions but because mm-hmm. they can all be corrupted and so th- i think it's that same lens of it's it's easily corruptible right by um power privilege biases that we carry mm-hmm. um and it's just really just a bugle call to everyone to just to 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 think mm-hmm. to think about to think about like what you bring to the systems you're a part of mm-hmm. as a token person of color if you have a different opinion than the rest and especially if you perceive your opinion different than what you characterize as the um white opinion it is extremely hard almost impossible feeling to speak up. Mm-hmm. Basically, like it doesn't even come down to the nitty gritty of like how many white people are on your board or whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't. even come yeah. down to that. It just comes down to awareness and the people like, again, like the people in those positions, whether it's like your PTO or mm-hmm. whether it's HOA or like, you know, city council, Senate, whatever. I just think that everybody needs to look inward more. You know, we I think in one of our, I think in one of our bios or about us we say like we want to get down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. But now I'm like it's not about the nitty-gritty. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you guys, it's not about the nitty-gritty. Think big picture. <laughs> um, oh it, it's not about the picking apart these <laughs> arguments or like I think it has to be the, I think it, ha- you have, what am I trying to say? It's got to be the, the important nitty gritty. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't use the term nitty gritty. No, anymore. no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't. It, there's a point. I, I feel like when you get into the technicalities. Mm-hmm, right, yes. It, it, it misses the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you get into to the technicalities, I can't say that word. I feel like people are, when they do that, you're trying to invalidate something. Like you're just trying to invalidate one thing. But just one thing, it will it will feel yeah. like the whole thing can be invalidated. But I think, but I think the reason people do that is because I wonder if they're not used to thinking in systems. Mm-hmm. If they're not used to it's thinking hard. in this like meta sort of I, way, where I, you yeah. where you think like 
you know, where you zoom out like one level above and then one level above that. It is very hard because I even like talking about it, I I keep like going back and forth and be like, what the hell am I talking about right now? (laughs) You know, like I just, I'm like, it feels very hard to talk about because I, I was gonna I was gonna say like you know it's not about like those those the nitty gritty of like the arguments or whatever but because um, we we're talking about like the institution as a whole yes and, like, the institution institutions you know they are comprised of like all like the nuanced pieces you know but when you know and you can pick apart like the nuanced things like you know one person here one person there you know but it like overall you're still kind of left with this like icky feeling you know Mm -hmm. because the institution as a whole runs as a different beast it goes the same for like when you have personal conversations with people Mm -hmm. it's like mob mentality you know you can have um a conversation with a single person and it can go like you can very relational Mm -hmm. very you know round out like harsh corners Mm -hmm, and whatever mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. but then when you start to talk as like to people as a whole Mm -hmm. it, it feels different that's so true you know I think it's the same with like, you know, you talk to like individual people in the HOA, but like, but then when you come together, like the the institution, the system as a whole feels different. And I think that's where the sneaky bitches come in, the the power and privilege, you know, because I think when you're together yeah. as a group yeah, or as an institution, yeah. any kind of system, there's suddenly like pressure mm-hmm. that you feel to like just move along with the machine, you know? Yeah. yeah. Another thing that I want to mention along with HOA and all of the institutions and systems that we're all a part of, all of the privilege and power that we ascribe to, if we have been, you know, blessed to have any access to power and privilege, um, is responsibility and accountability. I think people shy away from this because they feel like they have to be blamed for something in order to take on responsibility and accountability for something. But mm-hmm. I don't think it has to go hand in hand. Like, I mean, this, if I think, if I, if I kind of like zoom into the nitty gritty in my own life, I think about this a lot with my own generational trauma mm. and my own baggage with like my family. Like, I think I carry, I think I carry a lot of like, man, like, my grandmother was this way to my mom. And then that's why like my mom and her siblings have like these issues and not like, and then like in my childhood, like my mom gave this to me and all this, right. In terms of me thinking about my children, if I can move away from guilt and shame and blaming myself, Mm -hmm. I can, I can just leave that in the past and I can, kind of like remold that or reinvent that Mm. as I want to do, I want to do better and I'm going to hold myself accountable to making this better change, you Mm -hmm. know, and to, Mm -hmm. and and I want to be responsible for my children's mental and emotional health as well as their physical health. You know, it's, it's like, it's, it's tricky but I think it betters me and everybody around me. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So I think about, you know, in, on the micro level and the macro level, it's the same. It goes to show that it, it just, it's like a never finished conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I do think though today was really valuable to me in coming to understand you deeper too. I don't know. Like, I don't know about you, but um, 
I don't know, as an Asian American, like when I meet another Asian American, I, I almost assume like we have, we have the same experience, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but really getting into, um, how you being born and raised in this very area where I'm living right now, like really, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think about all that in detail. Um, so I, I loved getting more more background i think yeah i mean we talk about like of where episode one like came from for you you know um was episode one my idea it was your idea (laughs) yeah uh yeah you were like let's talk about like the basic the The basic basic bitch white people things that we like yeah (laughs) yeah and really it's what i wanted to talk about what i hated (laughs) (laughs) you don't really hate though isn't that why we just had this I'm, whole no, conversation? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go down that like, route. I you just fucked it all up. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck, we just wasted all our time. <laughs> okay. Like, episode three, let's try this again. <laughs> let's just, okay, cheers. Cheers. Good night. Good night. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. 